Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. My name is Thomas Majors, and I'm joined by David Haynes. David. Yes. It's been so long since I've seen dude, you. Dude, I've missed you so much. But Thomas, I think you're wearing the same shirt that you were wearing when we recorded our last podcast. <laughs> I may be, and I don't think I've bathed since the last time <laughs> we smelled something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you've listened to the first podcast since we've started back, That's then right. you know we re- are recording four podcasts at one time. This is the third <laughs> podcast that we are recording today. So. That's the reason I have not bathed and I'm wearing the same shirt that I wore last time we recorded a podcast. That is right. So, David, what are we talking about today? All right. So today we're talking about what are some red flags that may stop a prospective pastor from going to a church? Now, for those of you who may not be in a ministry role, you may not understand how this is. Church ministries are different than the hiring practices at Caterpillar or the promotional practices at a a factory somewhere or even at at a hospital. It is different. Uh, typically, what we do is if a if a person is interested in a position or if a church is interested in a person, there'll be some initial dialogue, maybe the sharing of a resume or the or the referral from a a person who is familiar with the with the church and then with a prospective pastor, and then there'll be a little bit of of opening discussion. That opening discussion might be in the form of a questionnaire. Here are twenty questions to help us understand more about who you are as a minister or whatever the case may be. It may be just kind of a a meet and greet. You see somebody, well, hey, would you want to come and sit down with the committee? Whatever it is, usually there are some initial conversations and then there are the the big guns of where you find out where a church is on certain aspects and where a church finds out where you stand on certain aspects of ministry. And throughout that process of the initial, they're interested in you, you're interested in them, until you going there as a pastor, there may be months of 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 time in between that initial meeting and that final meeting. And there may be some red flags that come up. The red flags on on the behalf of the pastor is what we're talking about today. And we're just going to be trying to think through some of those things that might not be a deal breaker for you to go to a ministry, but it's definitely a red flag for you to think and for you to pray and for you to try to judge if God wants you to go there in spite of these red flags we may mention. Every church is autonomous. So some people who have been in the same church their entire life may be uh, may be shocked to find out that every church is different. Just it as is. every pastor has a different personality and has a different uh, emphases in their ministry, every church is like that too. So every church has a different type of personality. Yeah. Every church has some different theological beliefs. There should be some similarities, especially yeah. among and, Baptist and there are, churches. There are many similarities. Right. Yeah. But then there can be some little nuances to mm-hmm. that theology or to something. So that's the reason 
uh, we kind of go through this process with churches, right? That is correct. And from the perspective of a, of a pastor, whenever some of these red flags come to light, and if they are deal breakers, the best thing to do is to just shake hands with the people. Uh, you know, if you're in a face-to-face meeting, shake hands with them and say, thank you so much for giving me this time. And then at a later date, you come back and you say, you know what? I just don't feel led of the spirit to go any further with you guys. Say adios, right? <laughs> adios. Later, amigo. <laughs> what did Arnold Schwarzenegger always say? I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, Where we did don't... you get that soundbite from Arnold Schwarzenegger? We're going to have to pay him money for that. <laughs> See, what we say? Well, you may I'll sound like back. him, but you don't look like him. <laughs> Thank you. I love you too, Thomas. Have I told you you're a jerk today? Have I said that yet? <laughs> well, not on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. No, Thomas is not a jerk. We love him. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, who, who's going first? We both have three issues here. There might be red flags. A person needs to needs to put the brakes on if we're talking to a committee. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go call. first. Yay. I'll go first. All right. So my first one that I thought of was no respect for the ministerial office. Ooh, that's a that's a big one right there. Yeah, yeah. and and typically you can find that. You, you kind of get a feel for that as you are speaking to the committee or you have some kind of understanding with the committee. How did they treat the former pastor? And through this process, they're not just going to come out and tell you, hey, we don't have any respect for the ministerial office. We hated that other guy <laughs> and we ran him off. They're not going to tell you that. They're not trying to be deceptive. Most churches are yeah. not trying to be deceptive. I Some, I think, are sure. trying to be deceptive, but most are not. And so through the process, there are questions that a pastor or a potential pastor may ask that uh, that committee, such as, how did the pa- last pastor leave? What, what was the reason for him leaving? Yeah. And if they say, well, we had a secret business meeting one Wednesday night and we voted that dude out. Well, that could be a good indication. Now, red we, flag. that's a red flag. Yeah. Now, that could be a red flag for the pastor. Mm-hmm. The pastor could have done something that caught, that sure. made the church. And with grieving and gnashing of teeth and mm-hmm. sitting in sackcloth and ashes, the church made the decision that they needed to terminate Pastor, yeah. uh, not like Arnold Schwarzenegger, terminate, but you know, to terminate the position, <laughs> to, to terminate oh, the position of the pastor. So, yeah. or it could be a red flag on the church. The church yeah. didn't like something the pastor did. There was nothing actually wrong uh, with the pastor. It was nothing moral. It was nothing ethical. It was nothing against the Bible. They yeah. just. We don't like him, we don't like him. and we're getting rid of him. <laughs> That's it. We're going to go with some other dude. Yep. <laughs> so, so how they have treated the pastor in yeah. the past. And I think uh, along with that, the red flag would be, how are they speaking of their pastor, of the mm. former pastor? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're just meeting them and you're sitting around and they're, there's six people sitting around that table, it's five of the committee members and the pro- prospective pastor and you say, well, what was the last pastor like? And they've just met you and they start bashing the former pastor. Yeah. That is a red flag. Okay. They don't like this guy. 
And because of this, they may not affirm or have respect for the ministerial office. And if that's the case for him, then more than likely it's going to be the case for you. Right. For whoever right. goes to that church. Yep. And you could find yourself in that same position. That's right. You could be the person that they are running off within a That's year. Right. That's right. Two it years. Very well, could be. And not that it's that anything that you did or didn't do. It's just, hey, this is what our norm is. And whenever we see any little hiccup, oh, you're done, buddy, right here. So absolutely, that could be that. And one of the worst things that a church can do, it's like shooting themselves in the foot. Mm. It's when they talk bad about the pastor to other people in the community. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. what does that do? It, it basically says, all right, we, we don't like our pastor. And it's shooting themselves in the foot because no one wants to go to a church where yep. there's internal conflict. That's right. And so a lot of times that could be the result of this guy's in authority and I want the authority. Mm -hmm. I don't think he should be telling us what to do. We should be telling him what to do. Yeah. I don't want to uh, sit under his preaching. I don't want. And it becomes an authority issue. And basically, they're not respecting the ministerial office. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas, I think you are right. So the first topic that I have under this or the first idea I have under the water some red flags is theological issues. There are some times where they, where that's one of yours also. Well, that's one of mine too. You should have mentioned it first, Jack. So <laughs> here, theological issues. There are some times where the pastor notices some things that the committee says or the pastor search team ask questions that leads him down theological issues. Now, now what I'm talking about is not if the Nephilim in Genesis 6 were products of a demonic human cohabitation. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. It needs to be something substantial. When I'm talking about theological, not something that, well, maybe, but I'm talking about something that is rock hard, solid in the Bible. So now the church and the pastor should match when it comes to if they are Calvinistic, if they are Arminianistic, or if they are Baptist. So if they're going to be traditionally Baptist, traditionally Calvinistic, or traditionally Arminianistic, you need to figure out, and there should be a match. I would agree. I was going to ask you, well, how do you know what should be an issue and what should not be an issue when it comes to theological yeah. Uh, theological stances between the church and the pastor. Yeah. For, for me, it really comes down to salvation. Are people invited to be saved? Does the spirit of the Lord speak to all people? There are some people who don't, who don't believe that. They don't believe that the spirit of the Lord speaks to every person and a person has an opportunity to be saved. And then the opposite is that, do you believe that we go to heaven through Jesus Christ? Or do you think all dogs go to heaven, all roads lead to heaven? And so that's where I, the, the Calvinistic are many in view, I put myself in the camp of a traditional Baptist is where I am. And that's kind of, that's kind of my, my view. So I would want to talk about salvation, who can be saved, how are they saved, and what does that look like? Okay. Now, this is strange. I don't think even a year ago, I would ask this question. Okay. But definitely not 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, but maybe 35 or 40 years ago, mm. people would have asked this question. But definitely the inerrancy of scripture oh, yeah. would be high up on that list. Absolutely. And again, I think it's strange that I would even say that today because I believe there are actually some 
Baptist churches mm -hmm. that are moving away from the inerrancy of Scripture. Yeah. They could be Southern Baptist by name, mm -hmm. but not actually hold to the inerrancy of Scripture. That that would be huge, wouldn't it? Absolutely, because what we do, we base both me and you. When I say we, I'm talking about Thomas and myself. There are some pastors. Some pastors who would not, but we base what we believe on the Bible. And so we go back to thus saith the word of the Lord. And if somebody on that committee or someone in that church then says, well, so what? Who cares what the Bible says? Boy, do we have problems. I can see immediately we're not going to mesh. I'll go my separate way. Thank you so much for your time and for the meal you just uh, gave me. Thank you. Yeah, because sometimes you have to discuss difficult topics from the pulpit. And our underlying authority for discussing those and for pushing back on the culture is the word of God. But if you're going to have to fight even for the authority of scripture in the church that oh, you're preaching. Dude, it's, it's an uphill battle. It's going to be an uphill battle uh, the whole, the whole time. Yeah. So I would not be able to go to a church that did not affirm the inerrancy of scripture. Yeah, yeah. I would agree when it comes to salvation. There's other issues. I yeah. think we would just put on there the doctrine of God, the doctrine of Christ, yeah, the the person and work of Christ, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we would include on there uh, speaking in tongues. I would yeah. I would say, yeah. But one of the issues that many Baptist churches around our area are going to have some similar beliefs on all of those issues. Mm -hmm. The main differences for us are going to be on soteriology, what yeah. you've talked about. Yeah, that's right. How is a person saved? Yeah. Are they saved? Uh, do they hold to that traditional Calvinistic approach or that traditional Arminian approach? Yeah. Yeah, I, I fully agree. So we would want to talk about the gospel. And like I've mentioned in a previous podcast, it's the you know the birth, life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. I, I just want to make sure they understand I, I, I'm a guy that promotes Jesus. I'm a guy that promotes the gospel. I'm a guy that promotes uh, evangelism and discipleship. But we would want to talk about the theological issues behind why we evangelize, the theological issues behind discipleship. And so that's why I just kind of put it right there as theological issues. Now, since that was one of your topics, one of your points, what's some other discussion you might want to bring or questions you might not ask? Well, before that? we move on to that, let me just say that uh, on the topic of theological issues and knowing what is important and what is not important, uh, every person really has to make that decision. But Albert Moeller has a really good article on, you can probably go to his website or to the to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary's website and find that. Are you familiar with theological triage? No, I'm not. I think it's like something like a treatise or an argument for theological triage. Basically, he yeah. says there are certain uh, theologies that are primary, then there would be secondary, and then what would be tertiary yeah. issues. A primary issue would be the inerrancy of Scripture. It would be the person and work of Christ. And then he kind of breaks it down to these other things. Well, a tertiary issue for, for some people would be, is it a closed communion uh -huh. or an is it a, or an open communion or is it a closed? Yeah. And it, what I've even heard it described as before, closed, close communion. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
that is really restricted. Yeah. So that might be even a tertiary issue among Baptists, mm-hmm. but then there would be more substantial issues. So theological triage, if you're interested in that, you can find that probably on Albert Moeller's yeah. uh, website. You know, since you mentioned it, I, we, he did a podcast on that about the time that Beth Moore had come out saying she's leaving the Baptist and uh, Southern Baptist Convention. And he talked about one, two, and three tier issues. And I remember him doing a podcast on that. I find it funny. Somebody that I read said, yeah, she's leaving the Southern Baptist, but uh, she left Southern Baptist years ago, you know? <laughs> oh, that's, that's true too. Yes. I would agree yeah. with that. Bless her heart. Bless her okay, heart. Okay. So, yeah, you took one of my my topics. I apologize. It's you see, okay. I'm apologetic. Even in my stance, I'm apologetic right I now. I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So one of my red flag issues yeah. is declining neighborhood. Oh, that's good. And the reason I say that is because, now, I don't mean declining neighborhood as in it's, it's a crime rate. You know, the yeah. crime rate is rising. Uh, no, the gospel needs to go to all places, whether they have a high crime rate or a low crime rate. Right, people right. are sinful, regardless of yeah. where they live. But people need to be living there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. saying. Uh, because <laughs> if, sometimes there's just an ebb and flow to where people live. Yeah, you take, for instance, uh, Tupelo, and what would be described as like South Tupelo used to be a heavily, a heavily uh, uh, lived-in area. And then businesses started moving into that area. Yeah. And because businesses were moving into the area, people started leaving that area and going to the north side of Tupelo. Yeah. And so you have a decline of people actually living in South Tupelo. Yeah. So if if there are people who are moving out, you're not going to have a growing church. You're not going to be able to reach as many people in a declining neighborhood as you can in a neighborhood that is growing. Yes. So I think that should be part of the consideration when a pastor goes. When a pastor, maybe they want to go to an area that the demographic is mainly uh, snowbirds Mm -hmm. leaving from the north and coming to the south and living during the the uh, winter months and you're, you're okay having a big booming ministry during yeah. November, December, January, That's February. Right. Become and, May, but board them up. Yeah. 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 And, and then you're not going to have those booming ministries. Yeah. It, that, that just needs to be part of the process. So I think a declining neighborhood should be one of those considerations. Yeah. You know, there's something that you've just mentioned that I want to I want to talk about just for a little yeah. bit. Right here in Fulton, Mississippi, we have a population of about 3,900 people according to the last census, and and um, uh, we live basically from Fulton, Mississippi. You can be to about any church in Tupelo in 25 to 30 minutes. One thing I've noticed out knocking on doors, a lot of the young people who don't mind driving. They, the, the young families right here in Fulton, Mississippi, attend church at XYZ Baptist Church, Tupelo, Mississippi. And I, whenever I knock on their door and they say, yeah, well, man, man, we're faithful up there at XYZ Baptist Church in Tupelo. I think, golly, why aren't you and your spouse and your children right here at Trinity Baptist Church in Fulton instead of driving 
30 minutes and taking your resources to another town and doing all the things that you're doing over there, you could be doing right here. And so even though Fulton is not a declining community, it's population has held steady. I see with mode of transportation being so reliable and I-22 being so easy, we lose so many good families to the big churches in Tupelo. I think there's another reason for that too. Okay. I understand those churches are good churches. Sure. And what I'm about to say in no way diminishes those churches or the reasons that some people may go to those churches. But uh, when when you're going out to eat on yep. a Sunday, where do you go? <laughs> you got the Mexican place here in town, and you've got the Mexican place, and then the Mexican place, and then the Mexican place, and that's that's it. Do you ever go to Tupelo on a Sunday afternoon oh, to out to eat? I do, and it is nice. Yes, we do occasionally. We will drive over, but typically we eat here in Fulton afterwards. We eat here in Fulton, but right because it's a, it's a long haul after we finish up church here. But if you go to church in Tupelo. You go to eat somewhere in Tupelo is what you're saying, right? That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think culturally, we, we have to think about um, church attendance culturally a little bit here in the South. And a lot of people, what have they done for most of their life? They've went to church mm-hmm. and they went out to eat. Yeah. And yeah. they that's what they do. They go out to church. Mm-hmm. And then they go out to eat as a family. That's yeah. one of the times that a lot of the family gets together and it. go out to eat. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And so some of them may be thinking, or it may be very convenient, well, we're going to be in Tupelo anyway. Yeah. We can just go to church over in Tupelo. That's now, right. that in no way diminishes those churches. Right. I'm not trying XYZ to say that. Baptist Church yeah, Tupelo. They're good or churches. Or even have another good reason that a person may go. That's I'm right. just saying that convenience, I believe, yeah. uh, it helps make those decisions when yeah. it comes to a church attendance. I think you're right about that, Thomas. All right, so is it time for me to give my next one? Yes, sir. All right, let me see here. What are we talking about here? Red flags that might stop a prospective pastor. Yeah, so you mentioned community. All right, here's my here's my next one. A controlling spirit in the search team. A controlling spirit in the search team. Now, ooh, that's, ooh. that sounds nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> and now, man, I, I've been associated with a bunch of good pastor search teams and pastor search committees. You've already mentioned it. There are some people, not not David Haynes, not Thomas Majors. There are some people who would say, boy, that committee just lied to me every way from Sunday. And I didn't realize it until my sixth week there being their pastor. But they're a bunch of hypocrites and liars and so forth and so on. Man, not here. Not and, me. And when that happens, that basically... There is nowhere to build trust upon with that pastor and with that church. So that's right. So just be honest. Yes, yes. Hey, look. So I I am speaking from the perspective of a a positive aspect of dealing with good churches, good pastor search teams. Sure, pastor search teams will give positive aspects of their church. Of course, a resume gives a positive aspect of of the pastoral candidate. Uh, Search teams will will even dream about what it might be like under a new ministry. And, And I understand all that, but we're talking about good people here. Now, I've been influenced by those good people 
I feel that a search team is typically a microcosm of the church itself. What you see in the search team will be evidenced by the church. If there is a red flag in the search team, there may be five or six who hold that same red flag mentality. And so that's what I mean, a controlling spirit in the search team. Now, I think you should watch. I think you should watch for issues of if they try to control aspects of a pastor's personal life. Basically, if there are not biblical grounds for them to try to control this aspect or that aspect. Now, now there are definitely biblical grounds. We expect you to not be an adulterer. Okay, I get it. I'm right there with you. Right. You know, there are there are there are things that we are held to. There, there is a standard. A pastor search team may think they are well-intentioned, but if it's not a biblical ground, but they are trying to manipulate your private life or your personal life, watch out. In my opinion, that church is going to have control issues that you're beginning to see a little red flag in with the pastor search team. For instance, I think I've heard of a church that said to the pastoral candidate, that that he had to uh, tell the committee what they were going to preach, what he was going to preach. Really? That he had to submit. He had to submit like sermons? Like sermons, you know, wow. where he was going to go and that sort of thing. So That's amazing. That's pretty controlling. Yeah, 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 yeah. We want to make sure you don't leave. talk on any of those uh, <laughs> subjects that we like to do, okay? <laughs> like sin. <laughs> <laughs> that's horrific. Yes, that's some of the idea right there. And then I guess they can even be controlling in other aspects as well as far as uh, you can't go out to eat here, you need to have a certain body image. Right, or, right. you know, if, if you're too large, you need to go start working out or That's something. Right. Or if you're too or, small, you need to eat more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> said, said nobody to any Baptist pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. agree. Some churches yeah. can be very controlling. And I have not been a part of one of those churches before. Same here. Same here. But I've heard of those churches. Yeah. That's right. And and just say, thank you. Thank yeah. you, Lord, for not sending me to one that's of those churches. Right. And that's the thing. Yeah, you're you're supposed to go where God calls you to go. Yeah. Even if there's a red flag on top of a red flag. If God calls you to go there, saying no is not saying no to that church. It's saying no to the Lord. So you've got to go where the Lord leads you. But thank the Lord. You and I have both been very, very blessed. And also, I think while we're having this conversation, it's just good for us to remember that uh, the Lord is working all of this process out. Oh, yeah. I mean, even though we're talking about it in a way that, well, we're making the decision. No, I think through this process, God is revealing his his will for not for the pastor's life, but also for the church. And through the process, God allows these red flags to come up and say, OK, you don't need to be there. That's I've got that for another person. Yeah. Discerning God's will is very difficult. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, yes, it is. It is. And sometimes it is even, Lord, uh, if this door remains open, I'm going to trust that as part of your will. But if you don't want us to go or follow or whatever the case is, then, Lord, please close that door. Close that door through red flags, whatever the case may be. But, yeah, discerning God's will is difficult. But, you know, and it's, it's, it's big life changes. Whenever you, whenever a pastor, a staff member, you're looking at leaving a town, you're looking at leaving relationships, you're looking at either getting 
getting closer to or further away from hometown, you know, wherever hometown is for that pastor. There are a lot of key ingredients in that, in that idea. Sure is. All right, now, Thomas, since I kind of stole your thunder on the theological issues, have we mentioned all three of yours? I'm down to number three on mine, but I'm done. I'm out. So you're done. You're going to go take a nap then while I mention my third one. All right. So my third one, when you're done, (laughs) (laughs) my third one is a clash in leadership. So we've heard it said staff led deacon serve committee organized church approved. I think that's the best function. There are some churches that don't go like that. They might do deacon-led, staff-served. They might do committee-served, church-approved, or maybe even elder-approved. And there are a million ways to rearrange that that, in my opinion, is not best. And so I would want to see how is your leadership and is there a clash there? I would want to ask if the body of deacons who are currently serving or the, is it a body of deacons or is it a, a a board of deacons who direct? Is it a body of deacons that serve or a board of deacons who direct? Now kind of goes back to staff led deacon serve, you know, kind of what does that look like? I would want to see how long the other staff members have been on staff. Is there a long tenured staff member? Because you know, you'll be going in, the new pastor will be going in as new guy on the block. Has brother so-and-so been on staff there for a long time? Okay. Okay. Now, does he have a critical spirit? Does he have a controlling spirit? If so, brother on the staff with you may lead to more problems than anybody in the congregation. And so you've got to kind of talk with the staff and try to get a good read or a good feel for the staff. And then something that you mentioned already is my, is my last point under clash in leadership. Did the former pastor clash with the current leadership? Now leadership can be defined in many ways. It could be the Sunday school teachers. It could be the discipleship leaders. It could be the, the, the deacons, but did the former pastor clash with current people who are making decisions? Now I realize some of the people who clash with former brother may do fine with new brother. Uh, Maybe they learned the lesson through former brother, but I'm going to want to know if there was any clash in leadership. So Thomas, that that kind of rounds off my ideas on the red flags for a prospective pastor. What are you thinking in closing up? Right there's about it. I have no thoughts. He's still asleep over there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us for the Ministry March podcast. We hope you tune in again next time.